0: fourteenth, And now, as we turn our attention to the New Testament, we'll be reading from the book of Romans, chapter 2, verses 1 through 24. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, your sins have already been judged on the cross. But are you ready for the judgment seat of Christ where your works will be judged? Ask yourself some questions. Do I judge myself or others? How easy it is to cover up my own failures by criticizing others. Am I grateful for God's goodness? It's not the badness of man, but the goodness of God that brings us to repentance. Do I take God's many blessings for granted? Is my faith proved by works? Paul was not teaching salvation by works, but works that prove salvation. Big difference. Do I obey God's truth and persist in holy living? Do I have a hard heart? Or a tender heart? One more, am I hiding behind religion? You know, the Jews boasted of their law, but it could not save them. External rituals do not guarantee internal changes, do they? God searches the heart. I wonder what He sees in my heart. How rarely we weigh our neighbor in the same balance in which we weigh ourselves. And now, let's begin our reading today in the New Testament. July 14th, Romans chapter 2, verses 1 through 24. You may be saying, what terrible people you have been talking about, but you are just as bad, and you have no excuse. When you say they are wicked and should be punished, you are condemning yourself, for you do these very same things. And we know that God, in His justice, will punish anyone who does such things, Do you think that God will judge and condemn others for doing them and not judge you when you do them too? Don't you realize how kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Or don't you care? Can't you see how kind He has been in giving you time to turn from your sin? But no, you won't listen. So you are storing up terrible punishment for yourself because of your stubbornness in refusing to turn from your sin. For there is going to come a day of judgment when God, the just judge of all the world, will judge all people according to what they have done. He will give eternal life to those who persist in doing what is good, seeking after the glory and honor and immortality that God offers. But he will pour out his anger and wrath on those who live for themselves, who refuse to obey the truth and practice evil deeds. There will be trouble and calamity for everyone who keeps on sinning, for the Jew first and also for the Gentile. But there will be glory and honor and peace from God for all who do good, for the Jew first and also for the Gentile, for God does not show favoritism. God will punish the Gentiles when they sin, even though they never had God's written law, and He will punish the Jews when they sin, for they do have the law. For it is not merely knowing the law that brings God's approval. Those who obey the law will be declared right in God's sight. Even when Gentiles, who do not have God's written law, instinctively follow what the law says, they show that in their hearts they know right from wrong. They demonstrate that God's law is written within them. For their own consciences either accuse them or tell them they are doing what is right. The day will surely come when God, by Jesus Christ, will judge everyone's secret life. This is my message. If you are a Jew, you are relying on God's law for your special relationship with Him. You boast that all is well between yourself and God. Yes, you know what He wants. You know right from wrong because you have been taught His law. You are convinced that you are a guide for the blind and a beacon light for people who are lost in darkness without God. You think you can instruct the ignorant and teach children the ways of God, for you are certain that in God's law you have complete knowledge and truth. Well, then, if you teach others, why don't you teach yourself? You tell others not to steal, but do you steal? You say it is wrong to commit adultery, but do you do it? You condemn idolatry, but do you steal from pagan temples? You are so proud of knowing the law, but you dishonor God by breaking it. No wonder the scriptures say, the world blasphemes the name of God because of you.
1: When Paul wrote this little letter to the Philippians, he saturated it with the concept of joy in fact 18 times in these four chapters Paul mentions joy or rejoicing or 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 that kind of inward happiness which is belonging to the believer now he says in this letter very clearly that his joy is in Christ that's evident but his joy was also in the Christians that is such a good thing to remember his joy was in Christ but his joy was also in the Christians he says in In the fourth chapter that his joy and his crown is the believers in philippi and it's a reminder to us that as as we come together as god's people no matter how difficult our circumstances may be remember paul is in prison and he's writing this letter in a dark cell he is impoverished in his lifestyle he's had all of the privileges taken away from him but in that cell he writes about the joy he has in christ and the joy he has in the christians He reminds us that if we want to have true joy in our lives, then we better get into fellowship with God and we better get into fellowship with God's people. That's where joy comes for the Christian. You show me a person who's out of joint, who's walking around looking like a reject from a pickle factory, and I'll tell you that he's got a problem either with his fellowship with God or with his fellowship with God's people. Because when you have joy in your heart, You have joy because your vertical and your horizontal relationships are in order. and That can mean the difference to each one of us as we face every day fellowshipping with God, koinonia, and fellowshipping with one another in partnership. And we can know what it means to have our care for each other intensified and our choices verified, choosing those things that are excellent. And our character certified, and the ultimate purpose of it all that our Creator is glorified. Jesse Franklin wrote a little verse that helps us to end all of this. This is what she wrote I want my church to be a place where men can meet God face to face and meditate upon His grace that I can think each time we meet, a presence comes to take its seat. I want your doors to stand so wide, no hungry soul who waits outside will think that he has been denied. I want my church to be much more than stone and timber, pews and door, or carpet laid upon the floor. But oh, I know that it can be no more than is found in me. A fellowship with man and thee. Our fellowship as a church ultimately depends upon our fellowship as individuals with God and with each other. And it is something to be protected, friends. It is a joy of unity and oneness that God has provided so that we can know the attachments and the relationships which our souls crave to know in Christ.
0: We're reading in Psalm chapter 10, and we have some questions here. First of all, does God hide? Why do the wicked prosper it asks? That's a perennial question that uh, God's people ask. As they consider the suffering of the godly and the security of the ungodly, they feel that God has forgotten and forsaken His own people. He is hiding. Next question, does God hear? Well, note the repetition of, He has said in His heart, God hears what the ungodly say and does not approve of their pride and rebellion. The ungodly announces, I shall not be moved. God does not see what I do. Even if he does, he will never judge me. Boy, what incredible arrogance, huh? And the final question is, does God help? Well, of course he does. He sees the trouble of his people, feels their grief, and helps them in the right way, at the right time. After all, the Lord is King. It may look as though the ungodly are winning the day, but I guarantee you the Lord will triumph in the end. Psalm 10, verses 16 through 18 The Lord is King forever and ever. Let those who worship other gods be swept from the land. Lord, you know the hopes of the helpless. Surely you will listen to their cries and comfort them. You will bring justice to the orphans and the oppressed, so people can no longer terrify them. Proverbs nineteen verses eight and nine to acquire wisdom is to love oneself. People who cherish understanding will prosper. A false witness will not go unpunished, and a liar will will be destroyed.